There are quite a few narratives that we are excited about going into the next bull run. I think one of the biggest ones is the tokenization of real world assets. We're going to continue to see the transition of large Web 2 projects to Web 3, which again will bring you know the masses into the space. I really see digital assets becoming um, a tool of self-expression for those consumers and for brands, an opportunity to create much richer storytelling and brand experiences. Hi everyone and welcome to the 23 Year in Review podcast where we'll be talking to key industry experts from the outlier community and business to highlight the top trends in 23 and look forward into 24. Despite seeing slow uptake and a decline in venture funding throughout the year, it has nonetheless been pivotal for the industry. Our guests today represent a selection of outliers from in and around our ecosystem who are shaping the Web3 landscape, including Justin Bannon, Mark Bauman, Laura Cunningham, Jasper DeMar, Karim Halibi, Thomas Issa, Ruth Galvin, Rumi Morales, Robert Mullins, Unika Sot, Iwana Sapatanu, Gabrielle Teodoro. What were the most significant developments in the Web3 space in the past year? Well, firstly, we were reminded why decentralization matters. The foundations of the crypto space are decentralization. And we've relearned the hard way from the scams and collapses. And this is going to be super important as we onboard trillions of dollars of value into crypto. The second part is that real world assets and TradFi are coming into the space. And I think moving forward, it's going to be negligent to transact value on anything other than a blockchain. So these two are connected. If we're going to onboard trillions of dollars of value, we need the full power of decentralized systems to secure that value. A tremendous amount of content and media has come on chain. Whether it's art, shows, podcasts, newsletters, creators are serious about bringing their work on chain, allowing their fans and consumers to interact with them in a more meaningful way. Coupled with a rise of referral infrastructure, we've unlocked true bi-directional value flow for creators, consumers, and curators. Referrals really took off in August, but Sound got the party started back in January. And since then, over $100,000 worth of referral rewards have been paid out across platforms like Zora, Sound, Rabbit Hole, and Mint.Fun. There were two very important developments for Web3 that happened in this past year. The first was you know, the big cleansing of, I think, the worst excesses of the crypto bubble, but not unlike a forest fire that kind of comes through and allows green shoots to emerge while the roots, the foundations are still there. The second thing is around AI. You know, AI has been around for decades, but what happened this year with the hype around it is it became popular because it was open, that more people normal people um, were able to build applications using open artificial intelligence. And this is really exciting for Web3 because it's that shared ethos, right, of an open community and shared development and shared dialogue around the building of advanced technologies for a greater good. The other reason it's important for Web3 is it acts almost like a Trojan horse, right, like a gateway of sorts for people who may not have wanted to use blockchain in the past. 
AI reveals it has certain needs that only blockchain and distributed ledgers can fulfill around privacy, authentication, auditability. So with the growth of AI, it's going to lead to the growth of Web3. I believe that very strongly, and I'm excited to see this continue in the future. In the past year, the Web3 space has gone through some big changes, showing us how decentralized technology based on blockchain can reshape the internet and the industries. This reflected in developments in several areas, such as blockchain protocols and cryptocurrencies that are growing and getting smarter. Secondly, decentralized finance protocols are experiencing an unexpected growth, offering financial services without traditional intermediaries, all while complying with uh, applicable financial regulations. Thirdly, we have recently seen major institutions such as uh, hedge funds, banks, and venture capitals uh, increasingly embracing, embracing Web3 technologies. Uh, for instance, uh, financial giants such as BlackRock or uh, Bitwise or Fidelity uh, have recently filed ETF applications in the US. This signaling uh, confidence in Web3 assets. I think some of the most significant uh, developments that we've seen in the space in the past year have been um, number one, the creation of modular blockchain stacks that, and that is inclusive of sort of lower lower cost data availability. Um, I think we've obviously seen an explosion at the intersection of AI and blockchain. I think we also saw a tremendous tremendous momentum there around consumer driven by on-chain summer, really focused on art and gaming and music. I think personally what we've seen uh, at the foundation is more and more founders that are building B2B blockchain as a service companies that allow brands and enterprises to um, you know, more meaningfully engage with fans or customers. 2023 was a year of consolidation for the Web3 consumer space. Nevertheless, brands continued to build and experiment. 2023 was also the year of a record level of NFT-related patent applications. We saw about 14 times as many applications as in 2020, about seven times as many as in 2021 and about twice as many as last year. Among the 47 top brands on the Interbrand Top 100 Global Brands list, uh, 40 of them launched new Web3 activations in 2023. And we also saw a lot of new entrants. Uh, among those are very popular brands such, like, such as Coca-Cola, Allo Yoga, Beatport, Crocs, Lufthansa, Macy's, Mercedes-Benz, 7-Eleven, Dior, and many, many others. Based on trends we've observed in 23, what are your predictions for Web3 in 24? NFTs will increasingly become the default signifier of fandom for end users on-chain. I'm excited for more niche communities and stronger bonds to be formed between creators, artists, and consumers. People buying, selling, sharing, creating together on-chain further embracing crypto and blockchain as a social technology. I expect to see a continued focus on social-fi and gamified social experiences, where people are able to monetize knowledge, skills, and reputation. And after a quiet year for NFTs, I'm excited to see NFTs going physical. And more importantly, artists and creators, embracing physical prints and merchandising, breathing new life into NFTs and digital collectibles as a whole. I will say that despite all the headlines that we saw this past year and FTX and et cetera, et cetera, 
We also saw headlines that talked a lot about more and more financial institutions and institutions broadly doing blockchain use cases, partnering with Web3 startups, really exploring things beyond even the traditional use cases like payments and focusing more on interoperable commerce, on privacy, on authentication, on passwordless security, and so on and so forth. So I'm very hopeful that the majority of the crypto system, that they'll feel more comfortable working and publicizing their work in the Web3 space in 2024. It's the first time we're finding ourselves so close to a potential new cycle without one clear dominant narrative. There are a lot of potential things going on, from excitement around verticals such as tokenization, AI, and Deepin, to the Bitcoin ETF approval, the halvening, and even centralized exchanges entering open source economies through their L2 launches. In short, there's so much to be excited about, and I expect it to be a very daunting but fulfilling challenge to stay on top of the developments in every single area over the next year. So I think we will see some of the most uh, iconic solutions coming out of out of this time. And the data around the number of, of builders entering in the space uh, start to signal this. In the last three quarters, we've gone from 240 startups to, to 300 startups applying to our base camps on average. And I mean, the, the Walmart store number eight, D-commerce base camp alone received 370 startup applications. So I think, you know, this is a bit of a, a surge and, and, and mirrors the interest and kind of enthusiasm within the entrepreneurial landscape. So if I was to summarize you know, two things, I would say continued innovation and, and maturation. So I think what we're seeing this year is the larger, more established projects such as Chainlink or Synthetics that have sort of innovated and built across cycles that have sort of found product market fit in their area or have had technology advance or the, the space advance around them that now allows for them to sort of fulfill their their ideal goal. So I think that we'll see a lot of these established projects really start to become like entrenched in the ecosystem and really lead the space forward. I also think we're going to see a trend where we're starting to see it now of big exchanges launching their own layer twos or their own ecosystems. So we see Kraken, OKX, Coinbase, they're all launching layer twos, whether they're on like OP Stack or Polygon ZKAVM or something like that. But I also think this is a very interesting development because now these exchanges potentially due to regulatory issues. So I know Coinbase, for example, are going to offer gas-free trading for anyone that has a KYC wallet, Coinbase wallet on, on the base L2. So it's not a an enforcement of KYC, it's an opt-in. But if you opt in, then you get some sort of bonus or some sort of perk. And then lastly, I think governance styles will move to a more professionally managed process rather than the sort of one token, one vote or managed by the community. So I think a lot of this governance will now go to professionally managed organizations who will be voted in and out via governance. Among all that experimentation and innovation going on, I really see two key trends. The first one is Web3 enabled loyalty. And uh, great examples here are Starbucks, uh, Nike and Lufthansa. All those brands uh, launched major Web3 enabled loyalty campaigns this year and continue to experiment with them. The second uh, key trend uh, I see is around tokenization, which is also called Fitchtils. Here we see a lot of 
luxury brands entering this space, for example, about authentication and provenance of products, uh, about uh, post-purchase marketing activations, but also about gathering data because those uh, physical digital counterparts suddenly generate a wealth of new interesting data for those brands. In the coming year, I expect many more big brands launch mass market ready Web3 enabled consumer applications. And I expect them to do that in a way that consumers don't even notice that there's Web3 tech behind it. What are some of the key obstacles and opportunities for mass adoption in Web3? Well, this year, despite the market sentiments, we witnessed that, you know, whether it's a bear market or a bull market, it surely always is a build market. Founders and companies, I feel like they're much more focused now on the B2B angle than ever before. Many players are playing with the hybrid sort of web 2.5 model, and they're trying to figure out how they can grow adoption of blockchain-based infrastructures. That being said, I still think that the mass adoption will come from, you know, providing unparalleled utility on the consumer side of things. In my opinion, the sport is still wide open for the next bull runs killer app. When it comes to obstacles, I still think that one of the biggest obstacles to the adoption of Web3 and, you know, metaverse-related technologies is the hardware component. You know, things like wearable tech, and in particular, my favorite, the AR glasses, those, in my opinion, still have a long way to go before, you know, they're, they're, they will become mainstream. I feel like it's the consumer level of comfort with those, with those technologies that are go, is going to dictate whether they get adopted on a mass scale. I'm extremely excited about the flexibility that progressive web apps give crypto builders. And thanks to products like Privy, Etherspot, and Byconomy, we're able to remove the complexities of managing EOAs across chains and protocols, being flexible in the way we onboard users, giving them the opportunity to use traditional logins like email and username. Combined with the momentum on the infrastructure side, top tier teams and builders continue to enter the space, building world-class loyalty products, social apps, and games. I'm looking forward to 2024, the year of the Web3 game. Firstly, I think one of the main kind of themes and things we're seeing in the Web3 space is the unbundling of many aspects, especially different layers of the tech stack. So for example, by the unbundling, I mean, instead of trying to do everything on one infrastructure layer, you know, you can outsource a lot of things to someone else. So instead of me trying to figure out the best way to do something, I can outsource that to a competitive market. And an example in production could be something like CowSwap, which has been live already for about two years. So seeing more and more things being left to market forces and you know delegating things to competitive markets, essentially. And we're seeing this happens at more at more and more layers of the tech stack. There are some silver linings when it comes to operating in a bear market. I do believe we will see continued investment and efforts around infrastructure development, obviously cross-chain interoperability, scalability solutions, privacy-enhancing solutions, full encryption solutions, and a refocus on user-facing applications. So these are my winners for, for next year. And on top of that, I feel the largest or the most I'm most bullish on, on decentralized commerce as an aggregator for various parts of the Web3 ecosystem to coalesce around a winning ticket. 
Well, with the new crypto bull run, we are going to see the emergence of a crypto-rich Web3 savvy market. They will have lots of crypto to spend and they will be Web3 savvy enough to demand real Web3 solutions. Not some of the fake Web3 solutions we have seen where, you know, for example, brands take a Web3 file format like an NFT and slap it on a Web3 business model. So brands that want to cap capitalize on this new market need to deliver real Web3 with Web2 UX. So I feel like it's really important to distinguish the signals from the noise, particularly within you know, the current market landscape. Uh, and to do that, I really need to look at the data. Blockchain transactions are at over 880 million, and it, it kind of demonstrates the activity happening across various blockchains. And this has been you know, steadily increasing I think the thing that also is really interesting is when you compare some of these numbers to the numbers that were around during the emergence of you know, the internet, you can see that the, the trends and numbers are quite similar. We see the option remaining steady, but we're yet to see the real watershed moment. Personally, I think there's three main hurdles to overcome. First of all, there's the regulation. Regulatory requirement is needed before we can actually have mass adoption. Secondly, we have the user's experience and the interface. As a power user, it's easy to forget how clunky some of the applications in Web3 still are. The Web3 space needs to mesh technology features better into the existing interface expectations of users. And finally, we have the scalability, which is quite obvious, which is quite obvious actually. If you want to onboard Web3 users on mass and onboard the next billion users, we need to make sure we can actually host the transaction desires of these users on chain. And um, we've seen solid progress throughout the entire bear market so far in terms of like building out the scalability for the transactions. I think we can we have a high degree of confidence that the current infrastructure is ready to cater to a significant larger audience that it's currently seeing. So that's also very promising, we believe. This cycle, we have seen a lot of stablecoin liquidity stay. So the lowest that it got down to on-chain was $123 billion. So that's $123 billion of capital that did not leave the market, that is basically sitting in liquidity pools on the sidelines or with people in DeFi protocols in their wallets, anything like that, that is intended to be used again within crypto. So it's not a complete evaporation of capital like we saw last time. We need some sort of clarity clarity, sorry, to actually know where the space is going, what we can do, what we can't do, what's legal, what is illegal, all of these sorts of things. And until we have that, we're, work, we're basically working in no man's land and really having to be either super cautious or maybe not cautious enough. And I think it is really holding the space back. So hopefully we get this and then we can really go full steam ahead within the guidelines that we're given. But I think the way to onboarding the masses and the opportunity that we have in front of us is purely mobile first. Family and friends do everything 99% of the time on their phones and that's not going to be any different for, for Web3. So I think that's a, a huge opportunity is mobile first applications. A lot of brands have uh, launched Web3 projects that were very isolated. I think going forward, they need to figure out how they can take those isolated projects and integrate them into the whole brand ecosystem and maybe even an ecosystem of brands to increase the utility for the user. A lot of what has been experimented in Web3 and especially in, in community building um, is about giving power back to the users. 
And that's a very difficult thing for brands. And I think that's something they need to figure out how they can they balance uh, control and authority over their brand with giving back power to the users. How have regulatory changes affected the Web3 space in the last year? I think this year has been pretty much overshadowed by some of the you know, regulatory action being brought forward against some of the key players of the previous bull runs. You know, in the beginning of the year, we've seen some actions being taken against the U.S. banks that dealt with crypto companies. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the SBF drama. And right now, we're on the hill of this $4 billion settlement with FTC and Binance. To me, it feels like this year has brought a giant effort from U.S. regulators to finally do some major cleanup, perhaps to lay the groundwork for, you know, what how they can work with crypto moving forward. I think that hopefully this means opening up a path to a more collaborative approach, you know, and collaborative work between the crypto industry and the regulators, especially in North America. And, you know, the promised Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs are just the first step. I feel that the most visible efforts in, in that regard come from come from the UK government. I've seen some clear steps in terms of them enabling that vision of UK as a crypto hub to become a reality. We're going to have a very interesting year ahead when it comes to regulation. So the regulators were pretty noisy this year, weren't they? At least in the United States. I certainly heard them loud and clear. And I think it achieved two things. One, obviously, is it cause a number of startup founders to appropriately keep in mind that it is incredibly hard to build a business in parallel or in opposition to regulation. And that at the end of the day, you will likely be working with a regulator. So you want to build correctly at the onset. The second thing is the fact that Web3 is dealing with a number of regulatory issues and will continue to is a positive sign of health and maturation. In my opinion, regulatory changes have mostly affected three areas. Firstly, there is a growing emphasis on compliance for Web3 businesses. This is to tackle potential risks associated with Web3, such as market manipulation, money laundering, and to protect investors. Secondly, regulatory bodies worldwide are intensifying their focus on Web3 activities. Uh, this increased scrutiny has led to enforcement actions against entities violating regulatory or engaging fraudulent activities. Thirdly, a focal point about regulation still involves tokens and the legal classification of those tokens. Tokens indeed are under scrutiny regarding their legal classification as securities, e-money, or utility tokens. Looking forward, the progression of regulatory changes in Web3 depends on geopolitical factors, technological evolution, and government's willingness to adopt Web3 technologies. The last challenge I see is around regulation. There are still a lot of open, uncertain questions that need to be answered. So the major regulatory storyline this year was certainly around the SEC and how it classifies different types of digital assets, including NFTs. And in that context, there were two major cases. One is about Impact Theory, an LA-based media company, and the other one is about Stoner Cats. Both were NFT projects that issued NFTs, and both of them were charged by the SEC for an unregistered security sale. And this caused a lot of uncertainty in the market, especially for brands, because that's the last thing they want to be involved in. 
What trends and projects do you see spearheading the next bull run? If someone can create a product that will do for RWAs, for what OpenSea did for NFTs, that you know, that very well might be the major driver of the next bull cycle. There were other hot topics in crypto this year, you know, things like MEV, account abstraction, restaking, and ZK Tech, to name a few. And I'm sure that these solutions will play a huge role in the next bull cycle and in general in crypto. But ultimately, I feel that any killer app out there needs to only focus on one principle letting a lot of people do something that they really, really want to do. And unfortunately, the trick is that sometimes that something hasn't been invented yet. Well, the next bull run is going to be driven by connecting real-world assets to crypto. And we've already built some incredible infrastructure in crypto. For example, NFT infrastructure. We've built this out, but mostly using it to exchange expensive JPEGs. Next, we're going to see billions of dollars of commerce transactions coming on chain. Next, we're going to see billions of dollars of finance real-world assets coming on chain. And Bozong is developing a real-world asset trust bridge, which will enable trust-minimized tokenization of real-world assets. There are quite a few narratives that we are excited about going into the next bull run. I think one of the biggest ones is the tokenization of real-world assets. While it is something we've already seen in 2017, 18, and 19, we believe this time it's different. The overall ecosystem seems to be in a much healthier place for mass adoption. I think first of all, there's an increase in mindshare around tokenization as a whole. Secondly, there's more tooling and infrastructure available for developers looking to put their assets on chain. And finally, with the exception of some regions, we are seeing some regulatory clarity that can help unlock tokenization of real-world assets' full potential. It's an extension of the sharing economy, essentially. And we've seen some initial projects going live over the past couple of years. I expect we will see much more innovative projects around decentralized physical infrastructure coming on Ryan as we're trying to disrupt the status quo of existing infrastructure players. Looking at the current your landscape, a big narrative and, and uh, your interest area has been everything with generative AI in the past year. And I think coming into the next year, we will see AI and blockchain tech increasingly intersect. I think this is going to be very much driven out of the need to try and solve you know some of the issues around the rise in the number of, of deep fakes and, and kind of the mass-produced content. So finding ways to understand what's actually real when we're consuming content online. I think amongst this, I am also really keen to see the, the continued interest from institutions and enterprises as well. We saw WorldCoin launch. I think it the execution and it's a little bit dystopian nature and the nature of the orb and scanning your iris and all of that stuff isn't sort of within the ethos of Web3 as much and maybe not as tasteful as we would have liked. But I think some sort of on-chain reputation or proof of person opens a lot of doors. So whether that's under-collateralized lending, whether that is proving that you're not a bot so that you can now reward people with airdrops or reward people for actual act 
actions and you know that a human has completed them. And I think that this is going to be become super important for us because now there's a lot of AIs, a lot of bots, a lot of things that we don't know whether they're people or not or real humans or not. And we need to try and sift through this and understand who who is who and what they're doing. And then we can shape the different token economies and, and projects around that. Next, super well-documented real-world assets. All these different protocols are bringing real-world real assets on chain. I think that this will just progress. It seems to be like a logical step and investors seem to be super interested in the space as well, which then if there's money to flow there, builders will build these applications. So I think that that is going to be spearheading the next bull run. I think we're also going to see more and more instances of moving institutional capital on chain in the coming year. Of course, there's the Bitcoin halving, which is coming up in 2024. But I also think this strong interest from institutional investors that I just mentioned, as well as the introduction of crypto ETFs, is really going to bring more and more sort of traditional capital into the market. And alongside that, I also think, you know, we're going to continue to see the transition of large Web 2 projects to Web 3, which again will bring, you know, the masses into the space. I expect a lot more actual use cases with utility that goes beyond uh, just NFT collections. I also expect brands to move from isolated use cases to more integrated use cases, integrated into their brand ecosystem or even ecosystem of brands. This could include, for example, much more sophisticated loyalty applications, maybe even interoperable loyalty. I also see brands capitalizing on the fact that a lot of those next-gen consumers are spending an increasing amount of time online. And the more time those people spend online, the more digital value they will create, including digital assets. And I really see digital assets becoming um, a tool of self-expression for those consumers and for brands, an opportunity to create much richer uh, storytelling and brand experiences. To summarize some of the key trends for 23 that we think are important here at Live Ventures, it's decentralization's reaffirmation, real-world assets and traditional finance integration, user adoption and market resilience, regulatory actions and clarity, innovations and infrastructure development. Thanks for listening to 2023 Year in Review podcast. We hope our experts' testimonies have given you an insight into the key happenings in the industry and the direction of the space as we head into 24. If you're a founder or executive at a corporation or just looking to learn more about Web3, Visit our website at outlierventures.io to learn more about how we can help you achieve your goals. Let's work together to build and scale an open metaverse.